Hey there, Chi Alpha. It's a super common trope in romantic comedies or TV shows to have character A profess their love to character B. But character B isn't quite on that level yet, so you've got this awkward moment that hangs there, right? Where, where Brian expresses to, to Cynthia, I have these deep, deep feelings for you. And Cynthia says, oh, I'm so glad you shared that with me. Or, oh, thank you. Or, how nice of you to say. Or where Julia tells Henry, uh, I'm madly in love with you. And Henry says, oh, thank you for that. Okay, uh, I like you too, right? And you've got this awkward moment. As an audience, it's sometimes painful to watch. Uh, we see this happen again and again in movies and uh, TV shows. Character A uh, expresses their love, this declaration of love with an expectation that it would be reciprocated. And then character B is not quite there yet, right? And, and so, so there's this awkward, awkward response. Hopefully, uh, you've not had to live that, but so many of us have had to live in that moment uh, of expressing love or expressing something uh, with the hope of a certain response. And then when we don't get that response, it can be difficult. It can be awkward. Uh, when Jackie and I were, were dating, we didn't rush into saying I love you, right? We wanted to be careful uh, with that. We, we did love each other, but we also knew those, those words were potent and powerful, so we kind of eased in to using them. So we would often just say uh, that we liked each other with lots of emphasis. I like you from the very bottom of my heart, right? And stuff like that um, to, to express our feelings for, for one another. Um, but there are certain declarations that, that require a certain response or a certain response is hoped for, a certain response is expected. Certain declarations expect a very specific response. Think of a marriage proposal, right? Think about when you propose to someone for marriage. When I proposed to Jackie, I was pretty confident that she would say yes, but her answer in that moment, when I asked her to be my wife, when I asked her to marry me, her answer, her response in that moment would set the trajectory of the rest of our lives, right? If she answered yes or she answered no, right? The rest of our lives would be shaped by her response to that declaration. You know, Jackie and I had friends in college uh, that, uh, that the guy proposed to his, his girlfriend, and his girlfriend was so emotionally overwhelmed in that moment, happy, excited, uh, that, that she couldn't even speak. And all that she could stammer out was just, I can't, I can't, you know, trying to say, I can't find the words, or I can't express myself. But all that he heard was, I can't, I can't. And so he was devastated. And she said, oh, no, 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 it's not like that. Um, but when we, when we make a proposal, when we, when we profess our love, when we make these kind of declarations, often there is an expected response, a response that we hope for. Um, you know, these certain declarations do require uh, and even hope for a very specific response. And how we respond to these things very often can shape the trajectory of our entire lives. A couple weeks ago, we launched a new study studying the New Testament book of Acts. We're simply calling this series Church because that's what it is. It's the study of the early church and what we can learn about community and the heart of God by studying these first believers. Last week, we talked about the day of Pentecost and the outpouring of the Holy Spirit on those first followers of Jesus. Those miraculous signs that accompanied the outpouring of the Holy Spirit drew a huge crowd. You know, Peter stands up to address the crowd, and in Life Group this week, we looked at Peter's message to the crowd, his clear explanation of the gospel and how God sent Jesus for us. He explained that they were eyewitnesses to his death and resurrection and all that that means for us, and we were able to dig into that in the Life Group this week. God demonstrated his love for us by sending his son, Jesus. Peter explained to the crowd that day the good news of the gospel, the good news of all that God had done for them in Christ, 
Again, we said there's some declarations that require a specific response from us. And this is one of the biggest ones of all time, if not the biggest one of all time. How did the crowd respond to the gospel that day? How, how did the crowd respond to God's declaration of love for them? That's what we're going to look at tonight. How did the crowd respond and how should we respond to the gospel uh, in our own personal lives? So let's take a look at it. Let's take a look back at Acts chapter 2. We're going to start in verse 22 and, and first look at part of Peter's message again. This is Acts chapter 2, starting in verse 22. Peter says this, To the crowd that's gathered, the crowd of thousands that's gathered around them that day, Fellow Israelites, listen to this. Jesus of Nazareth was a man accredited by God to you by miracles, wonders, and signs, which God did among you through him, as you yourselves know. This man was handed over to you by God's deliberate plan and foreknowledge, and you, with the help of wicked men, put him to death by nailing him to the cross. But God raised him from the dead, freeing him from the agony of death, because it was impossible for death to keep its hold on him. And here in just a few brief sentences, Peter clearly outlines the gospel, the good news of Jesus, that Jesus was fully human and fully God, sent to earth on purpose as part of God's plan to save humanity, to save mankind from their sins and reconcile them back to himself. Uh, it says that, that this same Jesus uh, was arrested and publicly executed. He died. Uh, he really did die. There were eyewitnesses to that. Uh, and that he really did raise from the dead. They said that we were there. We experienced that um, as this Jesus was raised from the dead. These signs and wonders, particularly the miracle of supernatural resurrection, proved that Jesus was who he claimed to be. He was the Messiah who can save us from our sins. Uh, he's the one that can make us right with God and reconcile us back to God. Well, how did the crowd respond to this? Man, what amazing news to hear. Man, what an amazing declaration. How did the cr crowd respond? So dropping down to verse 36, we see, we see Peter conclude by saying this. Acts 2, starting at verse 36. Therefore, let all Israel be assured of this. God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Messiah. Jesus, whom you crucified, is both Lord and Messiah. Verse 37, when the people heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the other apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? Peter replied, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. This promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. With many other words, he warned them and he pleaded with them, Save yourselves from this corrupt generation. Those who accepted his message were baptized, and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. 3,000 people responded to this message, responded to this good news about Jesus and said, yes, man, I, I need that. I want that. They responded and said, yes, I want to put my trust in Jesus. I want to be baptized. Um, and and 3,000 people, it says, were added to their number that day. Uh, the crowd there, upon hearing Peter's message, they asked the question, what should we do? Peter, okay, you're telling us all this. Now, what do I need to do? I feel like I need to respond to that, right? It's not something where I just hear that and go, okay. No, I need to respond. Peter, what should we do? And Peter gives them a clear and straightforward instructions uh, about how they respond. Four things that we're going to look at. The first of those happens uh, when we hear the gospel. When we hear the gospel and the Holy Spirit opens up our hearts to be able to understand the gospel, to be able to receive it and really understand it. Um, so the first thing is that the Holy Spirit opens our hearts so we can really understand and receive it. Uh, and we experience what the crowd experienced that day. We call it conviction. 
The Bible says they were cut to the heart. I mean, and that, that's conviction where the Holy Spirit cuts us deep when we realize, wow, I need God, right? Uh, we realize our own sinfulness. We realize our need for a Savior and our need for God. That's conviction. And that's the first thing we see as, as a response, even an involuntary response to hearing the gospel uh, is the Holy Spirit's work there of conviction. Man, I need God. I need this Jesus that you're telling me about. Number two, the next thing that happens in response to this conviction is genuine repentance. Repentance. Peter tells them to repent, which just means to turn away. Turn away from your sins, turn away from your old lifestyle, and turn to God. Put your trust in Jesus and what he's done from you. Uh, Repentance is the next step following conviction there to say, hey, the way I've been living is not good. I'm turning away from that, and I'm turning to you, Jesus. Uh, And I'm turning to the life that you have for me. So place your trust in Jesus to save you. Place your trust in Jesus to save you and make you right with God. Number three, Peter says that along with repentance, they also needed to be baptized. Baptism is an outward demonstration of their new faith in Christ. Baptism is that symbolic death to our old lives as we go under the water uh, and an embracing of the new life that we have in Christ as we come out of the water. This act of baptism isn't what saves us. We're saved by faith in Jesus alone, by his grace. But baptism is an important first step of obedience and following Jesus. Jesus commanded us to be baptized. And and this is what Peter says there on the day of Pentecost. Repent and be baptized. Take that important first step publicly declaring, I'm leaving my life of sin. I'm dying to that old life and I'm living for Jesus now. And I want to declare that to the world. That's the importance of of baptism. We're going to talk a little bit more about the significance uh, of baptism in our family groups and in the weeks to come. Um, because that's the next step, to start obeying Jesus. And the, for the first step of obedience there is baptism. And number four, finally, we respond to the gospel by allowing the Holy Spirit to sanctify our lives. When we put our trust in Jesus, we are immediately forgiven and cleansed and made brand new. When you put your trust in Jesus and what he did on the cross to save you uh, and ask God to forgive you of your sins, he does that immediately. Immediately you're washed clean. Immediately you're a brand new creation uh, with a clean heart and a fresh start. When God looks at you, uh, he doesn't see your sins and all that you've done wrong and you're adopted into the family of God. Brand new, fresh start. Um, So in one sense, our sanctification is immediate, right? It happens immediately when we put our trust in Jesus. But in another sense, it's also an ongoing process of conforming our lives in the image of Jesus. When we put our trust in Jesus, we're instantly cleansed, uh, but it doesn't end there, right? There's an ongoing process of us submitting ourselves to the Holy Spirit and then allowing him to shape our lives, to make our lives more like Jesus. And so that sanctification process involves uh, you know, fleeing from sin. So later in Peter's message, he says, save yourself from this corrupt generation. Sanctification is that process of fleeing from the corruption of the world by removing sin from our life, breaking those old habits, and learning to obey the Lord in every area of our life. Peter says that when we respond to the gospel in this way, we receive forgiveness for our sins, and we receive that gift of the Holy Spirit. We go on to find out there that those who accepted the message were baptized, and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. So this is the birthday of the early church in my mind, where 3,000 people uh, joined, joined their number. This group of believers now full of the Holy Spirit, full of boldness, are proclaiming the gospel to the people around them. And this explosive movement begins there in Jerusalem. Um, and adding to that 3,000 are more and more and more each day uh, as, as this movement of Christianity, this movement of Jesus followers 
just spreads across the land like wildfire. That was almost 2,000 years ago. 2,000 years ago. What about today? Right? That was their response then in that moment. What about our response today? And how do you respond to hearing the good news of God, the good news of what God has done for you by sending his son Jesus? How do we respond to that today? Is that something that we accept or reject? Right? Our response is important, right? And certain declarations uh, have an expected response, right? How do we respond to hearing the good news of the gospel, the declaration of God's love for us in Christ? Right? Do we go, okay, that's nice. Right? Or do we respond like the Bible describes we should respond um, with uh, responding to conviction, with repentance and obedience and sanctification? Is the Holy Spirit working on your heart? Is the Holy Spirit convicting your heart and drawing you to Jesus? And I encourage you, repent and turn from your sins and turn to God and be baptized. Make that public commitment to follow Jesus and obey him and allow the Lord to sanctify your life, sanctify your heart, make you more like Jesus in every way. Allow Holy Spirit to put his finger on things he may want you to remove from your life so you can more fully embrace the fullness of life that he has for you. You know, as we continue our Acts study uh, in the coming weeks, we're going to see this community that formed, right? These 3,000 believers that joined the, the couple hundred uh, believers that were already there and, and see this community that forms um, and see the amazing things God does through that body of believers. Uh, in a minute, we're going to kick it out to our family groups, uh, and we're going to look at uh, discussing a little bit deeper our personal responses to the gospel. But right here in this moment, man, I would, I would love to pray for each of you. Uh, that, that maybe you've never heard the gospel presented in this way before. Maybe you've never really thought deeply and seriously about uh, Jesus and, and, and what this declaration of God's love and Jesus means for you. And that maybe you've never really thought about it, it requires a response from you, but it does. You know, one day each and every one of us are going to stand before God in judgment and, and we're going to have to give an account of what we did with the claims of Jesus when they were presented to us. Is that something we accepted? And we turn to Jesus and put our faith in him, or is that something we rejected? So I'd love to pray. I'd love, love to pray, uh, and, and then we'll go out to the family groups. Father God, uh, thank you for opportunity for us to be together tonight. Uh, I know it, it's online. It's over Zoom. I long for a time when we can be together in person, God. Uh, but this moment is important, God, because the gospel has been presented. And just as it was important 2,000 years ago, uh, it, it's, it's even so more important now, God, how we respond to it in this moment, how we respond to it personally, not just to read about how people responded to it, but to personalize it and say, God, what do you want from my life? What do you want from my life? Have I repented and turned from my sins to embrace you, Jesus? Have I put my trust fully in Jesus and what he did on the cross to save me instead of trusting in my own ability to do right or wrong? You know, have I stepped out in obedience? Have I obeyed the Lord in water baptism? Am I, am I stepping out in obedience and allowing him to sanctify and purify my life? Um, God, I pray that you would work on the hearts of each individual, draw them closer to you. Those that need to make commitments to Jesus tonight, I pray that they would and begin following you, God, uh, and just be woven into the community, the family of Chi Alpha, and find encouragement uh, in, in, their, in their faith with us, God. We love you. We trust you. Again, we give you praise and glory. Thank you, God, for sending your son, Jesus. Thank you for doing for us what we can never do for ourselves. We love you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. In your family groups tonight, you're going to discuss this just a little bit more. Uh, love you guys and hope you have a great week.